Welcome. You're listening to Sanseet, where you'll find everything to do with spirituality, life lessons, holistic living, and medicine to become your true self. We all have stories, journeys, experiences, and love. Here's your host, Erin O'Dowd. Hello and welcome. My name is Erin O'Dowd and you're listening to Sanseet. On today's show, we have Mark Borax. He is the author of 2012, Crossing the Bridge to the Future and Cosmic Weather Report. He studied astrology with Ellis Longsdale and was part of the original mystic school that Longsdale founded in the Santa Cruz Mountains in Northern California in the 1980s. Mark went on to develop soul level astrology, a new form of astrology that looks deeper into the nature of the soul than traditional approaches. On Mark's website, he offers teleclasses, readings, and many more. His website is markborax.com. That's M-A-R-K-B-O-R-A-X dot C-O-M. Hello, Mark, and welcome to the show. Uh, glad to be here. When did you discover the area of holistic medicine or spirituality? I tell the story of my apprenticeship to a master astrologer in my first book, 2012, Crossing the Bridge to the Future, which even though it has 2012 in the title, it's uh, really not just about 2012. It was a fascinating story of how in Northern California I got an astrology reading in 1987 that blew my socks off, and I had been studying astrology all on my own. I'd never taken a class for three years with one book, and at the end of that time, I was thinking I might be able to do this for a living. Right then, I heard of this uh, fantastic astrologer in Northern California. I got a session from him that uh, was life-changing and left me drenched in tears. It had affected me so deeply, and at the end of that experience, I said to myself, I want to learn how to do for other people what this guy just did for me. And through an interesting sequence of synchronicities, I ended up living near him about 100 miles away from where we had first met. And at a time when he and his wife were forming a mystery school in the Santa Cruz Mountains, and I, uh, I studied there and became his apprentice for seven years. Who is this master or this person that you learned from? Elias Lonsdale, that's E-L-L-I-A-S-L-O-N-S-D-A-L-E. Ah, excellent. And can you explain to us what astrology is? Well, the way that I use astrology, I call myself a soul-level astrologer, which is a kind of astrology that I created uh, back in 1987, and I've been practicing it ever since as my main source of income. And 
I use the birth chart as a window to the soul. I'm not so much interested in the chart itself as I am as the chart as a conduit to get into the core nature of a human being and to help people strip away their conditioned layers and embody their truth nature. Why did you decide to invent this new style of astrology? It was partially uh, an impulse coming from somewhere deep inside me, but it was also a practical response to the market because in 1987 in Northern California, it was really the full flourishing of the New Age movement. And in a place like uh, Northern California, I had a lot of competition set out for me. You know, there's, um, there's many more astrologers within a 100-mile radius out there, at least there was at that time, than most other places on Earth. And I thought, how am I ever going to distinguish myself in the marketplace from all these other astrologers? And what came to me was, I will do soul-level astrology. I came up with a name that had a poetic resonance to it that felt like what I was going to be doing and then I kind of had to learn you know like really I'm still learning actually but I had to learn during you know the next 20 years what that actually meant this name that I created so I I found a way to dig deeply to the birth chart um, greatly assisted by by my teacher and his wife in a magical way a creative way an artistic way to look at the birth chart which was much more vivid and improvisational than most other astrology that I knew of. And when you see a birth chart, do you connect it with planets or how do you figure out that person's life purpose or soul purpose through the birth chart? First of all, I want to relate a piece of advice. On the day that I met my teacher and got that first reading from him, at the end of it, he said, if you really want to be an astrologer, you have to remember one thing most of all, which is, don't ever think that you know what Gemini and Taurus and all the other signs are, but always be willing to find out what they are all over again each time a new Gemini or Taurus sits down in front of you. And, and that will keep you from getting locked into the superficial typecasting side of this profession, which there's far too much of. And so from the very beginning, I was guided to use the birth chart not as the final arbiter of a person's destiny or nature or purpose, but as a strong indication, as a, like a jazz musician is given a, a score, but the score is only the very beginning of it because you have to improvise off that score if you're going to play jazz. And I look at what I do with a birth chart as kind of like star jazz, where I'm looking at the chart and I'm tuning in through the chart through various methods, my psychic ability, my intuition, my training. I'm imprinting myself with the basic chart of that person, like a musical chart, like a score. But then it's in the reading itself that I have to breathe new life into it. And I'm looking into the chart for those clues as to why did this soul decide to come back again? Because we've all been here before. and what were they doing before this? What's left undone from their past lives? Where would their glory be? What are they really trying to achieve here? And I'm, I'm using various parts of the chart along with my intuition and my basic presence with the person 
to go deeper down in to get to the, the depth of the matter. And how did it feel when you had discovered this new and invented this new area of astrology? I felt that I was on to something. There was a real excitement in the air. This was, you know, the late 1980s. Shirley MacLaine had recently brought the new age out of the closet by her best-selling world famous book, Out on a Limb. Before that, you know, when you talked about astrology or crystals or UFOs or psychic readings, you kind of kept the shades down in a lot of parts of the world and you didn't want too many people to know about it. And after that time, the new age became um, not only let out of the closet, but big business became a multi-million dollar industry with crystal shops, psychic readings and, and books. And so right at that point, when the new age was exploding on the west coast of America, I was hanging out my shingle as a soul level astrologer. And because I had stumbled into the man and the woman who were to become my mentors, who I trained with, um, I I felt uh, impassioned. It was one of the most inspirational times of my life. I I was meeting with others in their mystery school under the Redwoods one night a week, especially in the first couple years. It was as if we were giving birth to a whole new system of astrology that I had my own handle on, and I felt I had something unusual to give to this whole thing, and it was quite adventuresome, and like we were on the cutting edge of a whole of a whole new world. And what was it like to live in that period of birth of New Age? What, what did it feel like? It was both very stimulating and exciting, but it was also filled with a lot of bullshit and crap, because... Um, the, the West Coast California New Age, you know, it's a, it's a very easy thing to satire and ridicule because there's a lot of ungrounded thought, there's a lot of vague, blurry ideas, there's a lot of untested mysticism and spirituality, but there was also the real thing. And so it was a mixed blessing in those years of being stimulated on the one hand by so much interest in the psychic arts, and on the other hand, um, getting saturated with the phony side of it. And I'd come from New York City and was an East Coast Jewish guy, and uh, now here I was on the West Coast with a lot of people talking about past lives and working with crystals and chakras, and it was all quite stimulating and also delusional. It was a, it was a mixture. You said you were in a mystery school. Did you just learn other things, or was it just astrology, or what did you learn in the school, and describe to us a a bit about what mystery school was like in that period? Well, what it was was that Elias Lonsdale and his wife Sarah were tapping into spiritual sources and bringing channeled information in each week that they would take, and then they would share it with us in our classroom. And there was anywhere from... 15 to 70 people in the house at any given time. There was no qualifications. You didn't have to pay money. It was free. Didn't have to pass certain tests like in the ancient mystery schools. Nobody was kept out. It was a a very populist approach to mysticism in this little cottage under the uh, 300-foot redwood trees. And um, it was quite intimate and striking. And even though we were meeting with an astrologer and his wife, what we were really learning about 
or secrets of life and death and reincarnation and history and sexuality and art and creativity. And we spent a lot of time studying on how we could get the human species to transform out of its limited state into its fullest potential. That was the, that was the kernel, that was the essence of it. So the astrology was really just the auspices under which we were meeting, but what we were really learning about in there were, um, were, were, were deep secrets and truths that were never given to us as if they were gospel, but were always suggested to us as, try this on for size, see if it fits. This is what we see. You have to decide whether it feels right to you or not. So there was a real Socratic spirit of inquiry. Did you practice astrology up to today, or did you do other things on the side, or how did it progress? Well, at that time, in 1987, I was employed part-time in the comic book industry as a, a writer and editor and a promotions person for a comic book agent who represented comics writers and artists to the publishers. So I was making a little bit money on the side, but those years were wearing down and, and getting to be a smaller and smaller part of my income. And so when I first did, when I did my first professional astrology reading, it was two days after I met my teacher and got my reading from him, I began working professionally. And little by little, as I got better, I improved my rates. And so the, the mystery school for me, besides being a mystery school, it was also job training because I was learning from a master astrologer how to practice my craft. It wasn't long before my astrology became my only major source of income. Little by little, I still occasionally took an odd job here or there, either in the comic book business or gardening or carpentry, things like that. But those things became less and less, and the astrology became more and more uh, within two years of my first professional reading. I see. And people think with astrology, it's, you know, I'm Sagittarius, I have to this, this, and this. When you hear people say that, how, how does it feel with you? Or do you just pass it and keep going on? Or what do you do about that? There are superficial understandings of everything. There are superficial understandings of auto mechanics, of politics, of healing and medicine. And astrology is one of those crafts that there's a lot of blurry thought and superficiality connected to it. So um, when I hear somebody say that they're a Sagittarius, I begin tuning in. But it's like a musician with a key. If you go up to a musician and you say B flat, you're not really saying to them a song or, or a big deep truth that has a lot of meaning, but you're sending their artistic sensibilities down a certain channel on a certain wavelength. The key of B-flat is an entirely different key than the key of G. B-flat is, is mournful and sad. It's, it's rhythm and blues, and, and, and G is bright and, and uh, upbeat and country-western or, or, you know, upbeat Irish music. And, and, and so when you say to me, Sagittarius, it's kind of like saying, you know, the key of G. It's, it's just giving me a kind of a key, and, and it's tuning me in to a certain wavelength that now I'm looking at how is this particular person's 
song of the soul going to relate to the Sagittarian key. And also, when someone says they're a Sagittarius, they're talking about one out of 15 planets in their birth chart. So they're saying that their son was in Sagittarius at the moment they were born. But, you know, that's just giving me a, a tiny glimpse as to, well, where was their moon and their rising and Mercury, Venus, and Mars, and Jupiter, and all the other planets. So for me, it's an artistic clue that begins the journey of the soul. It's not like the final word on things. You wrote a book about 2012. Can you just explain to us, first of all, what 2012 was and then how the book came about? We began studying in our mystery school the connection between 1987, when there was the Harmonic Convergence event that was world famous. My book, 2012, opens with the Harmonic Convergence event. I had hiked up Mount Shasta, a very famous mountain in California, with two friends of mine, my girlfriend and another woman, and we all dropped acid, very strong acid, at the moment of the harmonic convergence. And I had a, a death experience and a vision. And um, very shortly after that, uh, about four months, I got my reading and met my teacher for the first time. And he was teaching us about how the harmonic convergence in 1987 began the 50-year period and a 25-year mini-period that from 1987 to 2012, in those 25 years, everything wrong with the human civilization was going to need to come up over and over and over again in front of our faces until we could awaken to how far we'd gotten off track, off the track of love, off the track of peace, off the track of fulfilling our greatest potential as a species. And instead, We'd gotten lost in a masquerade where we were caught in these disguises that we didn't even know were disguises, that we were confusing with the real thing. And, and so we were taught that at the year 2012, the first half of this 50-year wake-up call was going to be cemented in, and it was going to be a key pivot point. And uh, so when I went to write my book about the extraordinary life-and-death adventures that occurred in my life as a young man searching for love and truth. I connected it to 2012 because many of our teachings were aimed in that direction. But the book is really a page-turning romp through love and sex and astrology as I was really searching to learn my craft and break through my own dysfunctional patterns. And did you find everything while writing that book through your searching? Yes, I did. I, I found what I was searching for. I gained an understanding of truth. I gained artistic success. I became happy in love. But it took quite a long time. And the book covers a seven-year period of my life from 1987 to 2012. It's really the story of my apprenticeship. But by the end of the book, I don't find a happy ending for all those things. Uh, I'm still very much on the quest, even though the story itself comes to a kind of a resolution. The things that I was searching for all those times didn't really come true for me until most recently, and I'm 60 years old now, so the, the book describes the stories of, of a man's search from about age 33 to age 40. So. Your second book, describes us about how that came about. Well, the second book is a, a collaboration between me and Elias Lonsdale, and it's, a, it's called Cosmic Weather Report, which is the same 
title as my free monthly newsletter that people are very welcome to sign up for. You, they can just go to markborax.com, M-A-R-K-B-O-R-A-X, and you could sign up on the homepage for my Cosmic Weather Report monthly newsletter that talks about what's going on in the world from my point of view, a soul-level point of view. And the second book has the same title as the newsletter, Cosmic Weather Report. It's a very deep look through dialogue at the inner meaning of our times and how to turn around the major challenges of the world. It came from a class that my teacher taught, and I boiled down that class to the gist of it, and I added a lot of my own insight and created a kind of Socratic dialogue with questions and answers to get to the heart of the matter of how we can use this time on Earth now for greatest transformation and growth. Do you see transformation at this moment in the planet and the universe? I see a tremendous transformation and it's a volatile time. It's a time where both the good and the bad have been extremely amplified and it's one of those growth periods of humanity like we've gone through at different times in history where you're transferring from the Stone Age to the Bronze Age or from the Bronze Age to the Iron Age. We're transforming to some kind of new age here, and so there's a lot of outbreaks of paranoia and also bold risks of really stepping up and doing the right thing because there's less ability to hold on to the past, for better and for worse. We can't go back to the way things were, and I think one of the key clues of the depth of the current transformation is that nobody seems to be sure of the future as to whether there's going to be any future. And that's both very frightening, but also tremendously growth-inspiring at the same time. Wow, and when you see this yourself, do you feel excited, nervous, or what does it feel to you? All of it. (laughs) (laughs) I feel all of it. I, I became a father 10 years ago, and so I have a well, 11 years ago, I have an 11-year-old child and a 6-year-old child. Being the father of those two boys makes me dearly concerned with the future of our planet. So I'm very concerned. I'm very frightened for the world they're inheriting. But I'm doing my best to change that world. And that's why I pour out my heart and soul into these books we're discussing and into my monthly newsletters. That's why I continue to do hundreds of soul-level astrology readings for people all over the world by telephone every week. And so I can't predict for sure what the future will be, but I'm doing my part to do as much as I can to bring on the best future that I can think of to leave for my boys. If you could share something valuable or a gem to the audience or to a friend, what would it be? There is a light deep inside you, no matter how hopeless your life ever becomes, no matter how confused, no matter how lost you ever are, there's a very, very deep core in you that is absolutely never lost. And if you can tune in to that part of yourself and listen to it, you will be able to turn around the worst nightmare. That's a beautiful gem. Is there a place where we can find out and contact you and how much is a a reading? Yeah, my website, markborax.com, M-A-R-K-B-O-R-A-X, explains about all my different readings. My main reading is a soul-level astrology session that is digitally recorded and emailed to you the same day. It's $310 for 80 minutes. 
I also have shorter sessions and longer sessions that cost less and more. And I teach classes that are uh, mentioned on my website. I have my books. I have my newsletter that is free. And uh, each month, we for the nine months between September and June, we teach an astrology class that is offered for free to the people who are of that sign that we're teaching at that particular month. You can also find out about that at markborex.com. And what other readings do you do bar the soul reading? Well, all I do is soul readings. Some of them are longer and much more in-depth and more transformative. Some of them are shorter and have more to do with the current cycles. Like for people who've already had a a full 80-minute reading, in the beginning of each year we offer 45-minute snapshots to look more at just what's going on then. Uh, But some people come back over the years and get more and more and more readings because the level that I work at provides a recording that you want to listen to over and over because it's like reading very good literature. It takes a lot of readings to get to the depth of the real message. If somebody wanted to learn more about astrology or read, you have a book that you recommend except your own books? My own books don't teach astrology, but they describe my adventures through astrology. They're more like novels than textbooks. Um, Alan Oaken's Complete Astrology, A-L-A-N-O-K-E-N, the book that I learned from, and it's still a very good book. That's excellent, Mark. Thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to share your stories, experiences, and knowledge. You're welcome, Aaron. It's a pleasure. Thank you for spending the time to listen to the show. If you want to learn more, check out sansit.com. That's S-A-N-C-I-T dot com. Join Sansit Group on Facebook and contact us if you have any questions. Until next time, have an awesome day and rock on.